episode of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by The Everyday Fan. Check out their content and a passionate group of content creators getting together to create content for the, for the growing community of pop culture, fan base, fandoms, and especially sports such as football, basketball, baseball, professional wrestling, and MMA fantasy sport. Control your content and, set, and set, share your story around the world today. The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. The grind never stops, no matter how many times we wish we could. Hello everyone, this is your host Eric Brown of Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News and Reviews Talk. I am your I'm back, and like I said, the grind never effing stops. For you see, game showcase happened for Xbox, and a lot of people praised it. There's been a lot of praises coming out for the uh, Xbox showcase event after the disaster that was the Summer Games Fest, despite some positive moments on there, and especially for the uh, PlayStation showcase that happened prior. I have not watched any of the showcases because I just read the articles anyway, so I don't really see the point in watching an entire press conference event if I'm just going to get the abridged version, unless they did something insanely wicked to draw it attention uh, that can't be duplicated in an article or a video so yeah so one of the big things that was set that was showcased at the Xbox showcase event was Sea of Thieves Mon- announcing Monkey Island crossover Sea of Thieves is finally meeting up with another big pirate game Monkey Island a new expansion announced as Xbox showcase Xbox revealed detail- more details about the collaboration with Lucasfilm's games in a blog post after the announcement which billed as a three part tall tale expansion that will start rolling out on July 20th it will be released in monthly installments all of which will be free good Officially titled The Legend of Monkey Island, the expansion will feature ca- feature characters including Guybrush, Threepwood, th- Three Eleanor, LeChuck, Muri, the demonic talking skull, and voice act- actors from the classic adventure series. You'll get to see, you'll get to visit f- freely explorable versions of both Melee Island and Monkey Island solving puzzles in a point-and-click style adapted for Sea of Thieves first-person view. It'll all take place in the Sea of the Damned. So they have no interruptions for other players as you relive iconic series in a brand new way. It's only one, only the latest major pirate crossover to come to Sea of Thieves after his Pirates of the Caribbean update in 2021. In fact, developer Rare teased the Monkey Island crossover in a sneaky Easter egg in that Pirates of the Caribbean crossover. So today's Smith is one fans have been holding out for hope for a couple of years now. So, I have not played the Sea of Thieves game. I was initially attempted to at one point, but then ultimately decided not to get it on um, Xbox Game Pass. I might one day, probably not, but like I said, there's a whole bunch of stuff that uh, happened that made me decide not to get that game. I kept hearing negative opinions about it, not good reviews, and I was like, do I even want to spend some time playing it? Uh, Probably not. 
but um yeah one of the big things that happened in this uh showcase was that at the showcase event we saw star wars outlaws officially revealed at xbox game showcase uh so this is being developed by Massive Entertainment, the developer behind the Division 1 and 2. It will be an open world, narrative driven game, hopefully not screwed up, screwed up like the other Division 1 and 2 games where it was a, basically a gigantic live service that without the any of the MMO aspects to it. Uh, I tried the Division beta, didn't like it. I noped the F out of that and I was like, nope, nothing of interest for me. So when I heard Massive Entertainment was working on a Star Wars game for the for the open world scene, I was like, okay, if you want a big open world game, then regrettably uh, Ubisoft is the guy, is the company to go for, since their entire stock is built on open world designs. I'm like, there are other companies, but let's be real. When you think open world games, yeah, it's definitely... Ubisoft nowadays. Like, yeah, there are some exceptions like Elden Ring. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West and whatnot. But, yeah. E uh, Ubisoft's kind of the definitive champion uh, for many people's perspectives. Except for some, for understandable reasons, for hating the company, for basically making it so much so many times to the point I'm sick of it and for when they do horrible unethical stuff that makes you question all hope in humanity I'm not going into that so the game is set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi where the Empire has tightened its grip on the galaxy <laughs> and after the you know destruction of the Death Star the press release mentions that players will control Kay Viss, who, along with her friend Nyx, will attempt one of the greatest heights of the, the Outer Rim has ever seen. And I was just like, oh god. Like I, like, I know they're trying to get the foot in the door with the Star Wars universe, especially since this is the first game outside of the EA franchise to, you know, be outside of the franchise of EA. Thank god. But, like... Can we just get a, like, I know we can, we, I know from uh, Jedi Fallen Order, you kind of had that vibe, but at the same time, it was mostly focusing on the growth and development of characters, as opposed to making a big, epic galactic moment. Like, Fallen Order was a good one. It's like, I have not played the sequel yet, because, one, the PC port was said to be garbage, so I'm waiting for that to get fixed up, and also, I have not bought anything yet from EA for a while, because mostly I have EA Play, and I could just wait a couple months, and I'm not really into the whole gaming YouTube channel, despite, ha despite I'll just upload content from there to there, if people want to check it out, but, like... I'm not in this big rush, like, say, talking about a wrestling event or trying to get pop culture news stuff out more and whatnot. But, um, they touted this as, as the first open world Star Wars game, and Lucasfilm Games VP uh, Douglas Riley noting that the Star Wars Outlaw game will be. An action-adventure story filled with characters and plans both new and well-known to the Star Wars galaxy. Now, 
I wonder what they mean by that. Like, are they going for Fallen Order planets, but bigger? Or are they going, um... I want to see Knights of the Old Republic in some aspects, but bigger. Uh, and there was a lot of content in both Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2. Still no update on what the heck is going on with the remake. Last we heard, we were Saber Interactive. I'm hoping we get an update down the road. I hope we get new content to come in with this so we can finally start, start screaming at the top of our lungs about seeing Dar Revan and all these old characters coming back again in a, quote, Disney canon event. But uh, at least it's canon now. Let's just hope they keep the spirit of what made the Old Republic so iconic as opposed to Disneyfying everything. You have the High Republic to do that if you like. So the developer of Massive Entertainment, creative director Julian... I'm not pronouncing that last name I tried, explained that while this time period was chosen in part because of his colleagues are all huge fans of the original trilogy, there is a very specific reason relating to its scoundrel-led story. Well, let's see, if I was the betting man, I would say it's because, one, you have the first, because you have Quantic Dreams' game, Star Wars Eclipse, being set in the High Republic, the Old, Repu the Old Republic is being handled by the Knights of the Old Republic remake, as far as we know by Saber Interactive and Aspire Entertainment. And let's see, the prequel trail saga has been, well, let's be real, done to death at this point. And no one wants to, to touch the sequel trilogy yet, unless it's Lego related. But no one wants to touch the sequel trilogy because then you'll be reminded, oh god, everything's gonna go wrong. And plus, we don't want to talk about that. But yeah, they also said that this, that, um,. The time between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi is a lull for the Rebellion, meaning not just the Empire is running rampant, but the outer festering crime organizations are now too. I'm pretty sure it has to do with that other incident that happened in the galaxy recently in the comic side of Star Wars, you know, Lady Kira and her Crimson Dawn and Hidden Empire War with the Galactic Empire, and that ended very, 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 very wrong and unleashed a dark force that will bring about droid rebellions in the most horrific way possible where the droids are going to be possessed by an ancient virus or Sith and is going to try and kill everybody even though we know it's not going to kill anybody and makes you wonder how the hell was this never brought up in any material after when this was all happening like you would think a gigantic droid rebellion where a machine, where a, net, where a virus took over the programming of the droids to make them unkillable machines and spread terror, you would think the galaxy would kind of be like, yeah, should we just destroy all the droids we own? Probably. But no, we can't acknowledge that because then we'll be questioning all the continuity hiccups. More so. So, yeah. He, he said in an interview, when we were Starting off the discussions with Lucasfilm, it was very clear that the one-year period between Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back. That's where the Rebellion are part of the picture. I was, and part of me was thinking, wait, 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 wait. Uh, uh. Um, okay, so I could, I don't know how long it was between Empire and Return of the Jedi in the sequel trilogy, in the original canon. I don't know, I could be wrong, it could have been one year. But, um, 
you mean to tell me all the comics that I have been seeing and all the events that occurred in the span of, well, let's see, three years in real world time all happened within 365 days and no one is talking about this when it was just a year? Um... Like, I know the scaling timeline system happens in, in comics and especially superhero comics. I don't, but that was kind of the appeal for me for Star Wars is that there was no real scale timeline where Anakin could be created, so to speak, in the 90s, yet still maintain his youthful appearance all the way in the 2050s. Like, the characters aged and changed with the timing as years went by. Whereas Marvel and DC always tend to like stick to a certain age group for characters, except for things that are bound to a certain real world event like World War One and World War Two heroes like the GSA and Magneto. But uh, yeah, I, I just like if this was five years, I could buy into it that the galaxy kind of moved on just a little bit from that. I'm mean, like, I still have a suspension of disbelief there, but one year is pushing it for me. So he goes on to continue to explain the Empire's taking more and more control, but the syndicates they're taking more power, they're exploiting all the weak, all these weaknesses. So it really is a moment where the underworld is thriving. And there's no better situation for an established or a rookie scoundrel to cut their teeth than this particular moment. I would also say the Clone Wars, but we already explored so much of the original prequel trilogy that we can do that. We prequel era, we cannot go back to that for a while, probably. So, one of the things that was died deep in their big gameplay event on Ubisoft so at Ubisoft's forward event. Um, they talk about the, the characters, they showcase gameplay, sneaking, looking for some kind of loot, the action jumps to a stealth to an all-out firefight, approaching combat with different techniques depending on the situation. There's also branching dialogue, space battles, and there's even a wanted label system similar to Grand Theft Auto. This means the Peerless will be on her tail as she makes her escape off-world. And there will be full-on space travel as she jumps through hyperspace and all that. But not before shooting down some Imperial TIE Fighters, which again are chasing her because of how poorly the interaction went with the Imperial officer. Yeah. That does not end well. So... The deep dive we got from Ubisoft forward answered a bunch of questions. It will be, and we and we are expecting the game to come out sometime in 2024. So get ready for that. I'm looking forward to it, and we'll see how that goes. Meanwhile, Spit, Spirit Farther uh, developer reveals 33 Immortals, a 33 player co-op action game. So the developer, Thunder Lotus Games, showed off its next project at the showcase, 33 Immortals, coming to Xbox and PC in 2024. A raid-focused co-op rollout allows 33 players to band together in top-down action, with a blog post describing it as a pickup and raid experience with matchmaking that's easy to jump into. The debate trailer showed that huge team facing off against massive waves of enemies and giant bosses alike. While it is a roguelike, the post also states that you will be able to expand your arsenal to equip powerful new relics to permanently upgrade your soul. So it sounds like this game is some, is some roguelike progression mixed in there as well. 
33 Immortals is, is a very different beast than, than the more somber Spirit Farther, which has been reviewed pretty well in some areas. Uh, but uh, but it's more closer to their previous game, game before a previous game they worked on for Thun at Thunder Lotus called Jotun. I never heard of these two games, so I can't make the make the full case opinion on my own. So we'll see where that goes. So Happy Few developer also unveils South of Midnight, a brand new IP from We Happy Few and Contrast developer for Compulsion Games. The cinematic trailer showcased uh, some gorgeous American style vibes with a touch of magical realism. Xbox revealed more in an interview on this blog post, saying it's a third-person action adventure that will follow Hazel, who was introduced to the trailer, as she tracks down supernatural creatures that have spilled into the world. Taking place in this fictionalized swath of the U.S. inspired by the more interesting geological, topographical, cultural, societal, well, and historical areas of the South, creative director revealed in the, in the blog post. Hazel is seen asking a skeleton-like man playing the guitar for helping seek a seeking a creature is what's called a weaver, or a mender, or a broken bonds and spirits per the game's Steam page. Imbued with these new abilities, Hazel will confront subdue dangerous creatures, untangle the webs of her own family's shared past, and if she's lucky, find a way to the place that feels like home. The first game from Compulsion, the studio started by X-Arcane Studio developer Gilheim Provost since 2018's horror title We Happy Few, which was pretty much a 7 out of 10 by EIGN, but that's not, but that's, I've never played the game, so I have no opinion whatsoever. Also announced was a gameplay trail revealing Persona 3 Remake, which resembles more Persona 5, and a glimpse of the how the original Persona 3 now looks in 2023 with a bunch of improvements in tow. So... <laughs> oh, man. It was a requested item by fans to how outdated the original had become, and now it's set for 2024 or for Persona 3 Reloaded, as it's called. There's also a Persona 3 Portable, which is now available on modern consoles and PC, and it was, so that's pretty pretty damn cool. I never played the Persona franchise. I have an interest in it sometimes, but I just never really like snapped my fingers into getting it. But yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna be interesting. It's going to be very interesting how Persona 3 Remake handles it with Reloaded with the legacy it has to keep up on. Meanwhile, for the first time in, let's see, since 2020, we got official, uh, more official reveals to Fable coming to Xbox. They began teasing the appearance of Fable at the showcase at the end of May, and we got to see gameplay, combat, and the classic Fable humor, as well as teases of the plot, including giant vegetables and sandwiches. Sandwiches. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a thing. So, our character in Fable will be in the role of Dave, a vegetable enthusiast. A giant one that the player climbs a beanstalk to confront. So, I'm pretty sure that, that that's just a thing we're just expect to, we expect to accept. It was announced, it's been, it was announced first as a reboot in 2020. And we didn't learn about that other than it would be a new beginning for the franchise. And it's been the last, and the last time we saw Fable game content was uh, Fable 3 in 2010. Uh, there was the journey for Connect and Fable Heroes, but did anyone cancel that? And there was a co-op game called Fable Legends, but that was canceled. 
and no one and people were bad about that. Oh, damn, those were the days. But I also announced was the Heart of Chernobyl Stalker 2 that skipped this game showcase. A post from the CSC Game World representative in Stalker 2 Steam Form revealed the game will miss the June announcement events altogether, with information due, to, due in the upcoming months. Uh, yeah. Um, it has been a tumultuous development. And. They kind of got in, then it started and stopped a few times, and then it was currently developing by our release date before news broke in 2018 that the game was still that the game was being developed again, and then uh, three to four years later, Russia decided to be assholes about everything in life and decided to just go ahead and start the apocalypse, and everything's been kind of sucky since. Uh, damn it. The developers also been facing constant cyber attacks since the Russian invasion started. So yeah, uh, fuck the Russians. And I, I would like to also point this out for the record. Um, there is an unfortunate thing that was brought up a few years when Russia first attacked the uh, the Ru Ukraine. Um, for some reason, the tragedy is that some idiot on Twitter decided to make this about the console war because, of course, because we live in a society and we have to somehow somehow tie in massacres and dark, dark, fucked up stuff into ZOMG Xbox Got No Games. And I'm just like, oh, God damn it. So, yeah, moving on from my depressing thoughts on that. And whatnot. Something was finally revealed on uh, at the sh at the um, at the events. So, <laughs> oh man, what was announced was Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven Phantom Liberty. Liberty. So, um. Yeah, Phantom Liberty got showcased, that which was awesome. We got a new trailer featuring the new United States of America's president. And Johnny Silverhand's back, so that's awesome. And it was also confirmed to be launching on September 26th, but CD Projekt Red hasn't given an up specific release date for a version 1.7 patch. But, uh... There are also fans noted, eagle-eyed fans on Reddit Earth noticed that a screenshot showed protagonist V riding a motorbike with while firing a pistol at a car that was firing back a plenty. CD Projekt Red had then confirmed that yes, vehicular combat is finally on the way. While it was showcased in the screenshot was showcasing and advertising fans of liberty, the vehicular combat is likely coming to its, in its accompanying patch, version 1.7, that will be available to everyone who owns the game. Fans of Liberty is also confirmed to launch on September 26th, but CG Project Red has not given a release date for 1.7, though confirmed it will not come any sooner earlier than September 9th. Together with Phantom Liberty, we're introducing vehicle combat. You'll be able to fire guns from your car or bike or use weapons which are mounted on your car. Also, 
That is not all 1.7 or at least Phantom Liberty is adding though, as players will finally be able to potentially become susceptible to the cyberpsychosis disease highlighted in the Adjournance anime. Took them long enough. Like you bring that up all the time and then you bring up the whole cyberpsychosis thing in, 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 the, in the game itself and you never get the risk of getting it. And you would expect that from this developer of all people to go with that intricate detail. But uh, they're introducing a big change to the cyberware system with the Phantom Liberty update. First reported by VGC, it will have a new cyberware capacity system that allows players to see how much cyberware their body can take. A new Adrenalin's perk will allow players to surpass that with certain penalties like a health debuff. It's all about this balance between risk and reward. We are not going as far as to introducing introduction of cyberpsychosis, though. Oh, have that in mind. Featured as a key plot point in Netflix's Edge Runners anime, cyberpsychosis affects people who install too much tech onto their feeble human bodies, potentially turn them into mindless killing machines. Science can be perhaps showcased where where V is seemingly losing control of their actions. It's unclear how the feature will work in Cyberpunk 2077, however, though a mod released last year added the ability to turn Cyber Psycho in the PC version. It's perhaps unlikely a copy of this exact mod, though CD Padre isn't against the idea of using community mods in its release, having previously done so with The Witcher 3, which in my opinion should be also the thing. <laughs> awesome. But uh, there is something else that was added to this detail. So, Phantom Liberty has multiple endings and narrative paths to choose from, making certain decisions that can actually unlock a sixth mainline ending in Cyberpunk 2077. It has different endings based on how things play out, The one of the lead game directors said. Then based on the ending of Within Phantom Liberty, you can unlock a new ending in the base game. This ending has to do with your new relationships and your characters and situations. As the trailer shows, Songbird brings you in with a promise of being able to handle your issue with the Relic. It will affect the outcomes in the base game and the story of Phantom Liberty when it still has multiple different variations of the endings. Songbird is a personal netrunner in there's a spoiler details. Netrunner for the president of the United States, meaning the promise of being able to handle your issue with the relic has some gravitas behind it. Those who complete one or all of Cyberpunk's 2077's current enemies will no no will know none are particularly happy as B as Prevetti never finds a perfect solution to remove the relic or Johnny Silva hand from his or her head without killing one or both of them. Having the president on the side to help with all the all that will perhaps give fans a little bit of hope that we can come out of the other side in a much better place and you know probably show up in a sequel they're making heck they even include a nod to the witcher uh, the dlc arriving September 26 features a new arena called dogtown a new area called dogtown led by colonel kurt henson the former military man leads his own faction of bags called the whatever but apparently it's also referencing to happens to be the ghostly dog monsters from the original Witcher. <laughs> so yeah, they added that this group is a faction that's led under Hansen. They'll knock you around if you get out of line. You gotta be on edge a little bit. They also brought that group that creature back in Witcher 3, Wild Hunt's Blood and Wine expansion, along with other classic beasties like Fledler, Garkin, and Archsmore. Yeah. 
So yeah, pretty damn cool to hear all this. I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping they do. I hopefully, hopefully this is their final shot at redemption since they said this is their only expansion for this event. So you know they have to bring it in, bring it in their A game, bring back the CD Projekt Red that was unleashed upon the world all those years ago. So, despite Mortal Kombat 1 happening, Ed Boon has confirmed that the door is not closed on Injustice 3, saying there were a number of factors, some of which I could talk about, some of which I probably should. Two reasons Boone was willing to discuss were the unfortunate onset of the COVID-19 pandemic and the team's choice to switch to the newer uh, version of the Unreal Engine. So, yeah, Mortal Kombat 11 runs on Unreal Engine 3, whereas Mortal Kombat 1 runs on Unreal Engine 4. But we did go to, to a new graphics engine. We really wanted to be careful with COVID and all that stuff. Everybody stay safe, staying safe. So there were a bunch of variables involved that eventually we realized, okay, let's do another Mortal Kombat game. Hopefully we'll get back to Injustice games. Just to be sure, we wanted to confirm from IGN, wanted to confirm to him directly that the door was not closed on the Injustice franchise. Boone saying, not at all. <laughs> so this is what... Um, I suspected. I thought. I thought when that whole Injustice Year Zero thing happened, I thought that was going to lead into Injustice Three, but it didn't. I thought it was going to finally bring back the Justice Society characters involved, since that was now brought in, but they never, never showed up in the game, and we knew why now. But uh, yeah, all this stuff happened, and well, turns out we know why Injustice Three never came out just yet. So, I'm hoping they take their time with it and make the best damn DC game they can. So, In Exile has been working on a new game called Clockwork Revolution during the Xbox Game Showcase. We have a real trailer that many said looks a little bit like Irrational Games' 2013 shooter adventure, Bioshock Infinite. Okay, that's just the thing. They had to say, they had to come out and say, this is purely unintentional. Um, someone made an obvious comparison and whatnot. Uh, makes me think, and this is a time bending steampunk first person RPG, and the Bioshock Infinite was a time bending multiversal kind of RPG game, so action-adventure game mostly but there were some minor choices i'm like they didn't really affect the overall story but still they were there but uh yeah they fargo however had to come out and say hey it's a deep rpg with full character creation a branching dialogue system awesome steampunk weapons and dark humor <laughs> Uh, Brian Fargo. I haven't heard that name in a long, long time. Also, conveniently, there is going to be a new Bioshock game, and that has yet to be revealed, and Clockwork Revolution is set to come out in due time. So, uh, if they both come out at the same time, I'm pretty sure this is not a cosmic coincidence that this is actually unintentional scheme by the developers to start the Steampunk Video Game Wars! <laughs> so, anyways... So, Obsidian is working on a new game called Avowed, 
which was announced three years ago during a live stream, Microsoft finally revealed gameplay at, at the showcase event alongside 2024 release window, a first-person fantasy RPG set in... <sighs> I don't know, I can't pronounce it. The World of Pillars of Eternity with fantastical monsters and lots of magical combat. And about and they try to describe a Valve's open world as bigger bigger like about as big uh like Bethesda Skyrim, but it ended up being small scale, similar to who uh the Outer Worlds, so yeah. Their initial pitch for the game was going to be, let's make this big and epic, like, like, Skyrim. No, we can't do that. Okay, well then we'll just make it, like, Outer Worlds. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So let's hope things work out, and let's hope uh, Obsidian can further continue to showcase that Bethesda is obsolete. <laughs> hey, man. But uh, there were other things that were not showcased at this event. Perfect Dark, Everwild, Contraband, the Indiana Jones game by Machine Games, State of Decay 3, The Outer Worlds 2. It's, um... Yeah, it, it's... They were the biggest noticeable things that were not there, including Soccer 2. But, uh, yeah, so... I don't know the full scope of what's going to happen with those games. Perfect Dark's been... In, ex in disappearance for for years now, so probably just the trail we're ever gonna get for a while. But uh, speaking of things that were that we have not heard from that were in development hell, the Flash, Michael Shannon, aka General Zod, I will find him. Flash star Michael Shannon has opened up about returning to General Zod after playing the Superman villain, the supervillain in Man of Steel, saying it wasn't quite as satisfying as he hoped it would be. Shannon was asked if he if it felt different to not only return to your character after so many years to play a version of him that's from a different timeline. Unfortunately, that wasn't the greatest experience for him, and some of it has to do with the multiverse of it all. Saying, "Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it wasn't quite satisfying for me as an actor. These multiverse movies are like somebody playing with action figures. It's like here's this person, here's this person, and they're fighting. It's not quite the in-depth character study situation that I honestly felt Man of Steel was. Whether people think it's crazy or not, I don't even care. I really like feel like Man of Steel was actually a pretty sophisticated story." I feel like the Flash is too, but it's not Zod's story. I'm basically there to present a challenge. While the role didn't live up to his expectations, he did have very things to say about Ezra Miller, so basically he had to he had to lie, in my humble opinion, and said the performance in the film was what fans should be most excited about. I'm like that or getting fired for the horrible things they did and the fact that they somehow got away with it. Even when he, they violated restraining orders, insider sources claiming he that that Ezra Miller thought he was the grand center of the multiverse of all of space and time. Like they're broken, Matt Hardy, but Matt Hardy was a character, not a real guy on TV. But um, yeah. <laughs> oh man. So the Flash movie, I, I haven't watched it, but there are some questionable stuff in there I heard. But uh, we'll get. I mean, like the fact that you let Ezra Miller get away with all the horrible things they did is already saying enough. 
So, in just 12 days, Across the Spider-Verse has swung past all previous records and passed the box office run of the Spider into the Spider-Verse box office in just 12 days. By an extra 2 million to to to, to, to buy an extra 20 to 18 million bucks. Cool. So now it's set to have its sight on the Amazing Spider-Man 2's global run of $700.9 million. For those unaware, Spider-Man No Way Home is the current number one Spider-Man film as it brought in a staggering $1.91 billion worldwide. Uh, I'm pretty certain it's not going to do that. But also, um, Rise of the Beast also was going ahead. Uh, Transformers is kind of keeping, up, keeping track with it. Meanwhile, Soul Calibur 5 is being delisted from PS3 and Xbox 360 digital stores on June 19th, so in about 24 hours. Got it. Oh, man, this is why digital games are... Uh, this is why digital games are such a problem. Meanwhile, Phil Spencer has been touting about Xbox Japan growth, improving relationships with Japanese developers. Noting that bringing Japanese developers to the US-based platform was work, Spencer admitted that the Xbox is not the strongest brand in Japan compared to not just the PlayStation Switch, but also to mobile, which is a massive market in the country. Five years ago, you asked us, us when we could see Atlas games on Xbox. We got Capcom showing a new IP. I see all that, and I can, I can go to Square Enix and say, come on, and I have to go get on the phone again. For me, it was all about trust and relationships. They have to look at the global market, the yearn to listen to and hear us, us for what, and what we stand for. But it's always worked for us in Japan, specifically because we are the Xbox team. We're not platform, we're not platform from Japan, and that's okay. <laughs> and that some of the reasons they mentioned how they don't have don't have games on the Xbox is sometimes they have other business deals. Sometimes they can only support two to three platforms for a release, and sometimes they want to reduce the development risk. I think it's also because Japan kind of doesn't like Xbox a lot because because I still recall this old story where um, Xbox, Microsoft wanted to buy Square Enix and they were laughed at for that offer when they first unveiled the Xbox. Damn. Yeah, he, he wants to make, make Xbox make significant progress in Japan over the last few years, but still has a lot to do. I, I'm kind of amazed that... Um, that they haven't tried to go after Square Enix or Capcom yet. I feel like they could probably go after Square Enix at this point, but they would have to resolve the deals with Sony again, and I'm pretty sure they hate that right now. Meanwhile, good news for the upcoming sequel for Elder Scrolls 6. Todd Howard admits that this upcoming sequel could be his last game. And nothing of value was lost. Look, as much uh, respect to Todd Howard and all he did, but he really destroyed himself and his reputation with Fallout 76 and all the bullshit he pulled and the shame and the denial of accountability until it was too late. Uh. So... 
Yeah. This will probably be his last, could be his last Skyrim uh, Elder Scrolls game. We'll probably still see him work on Fallout, tragically, but uh, he'll, this will, Elder Scrolls 6 could probably be his last game in the franchise, and as he's 52 years old, he'll probably make even longer time. So, yeah, though he also lied a lot to people so, and said things are very repetitive, so um, let's just wait and see. They also had to clarify Doom developer id Software's involvement, involvement in the developer in the wake of a Remay rumor claiming that fellow Zane Max own studio has stepped in to overhaul Starfield's combat. Bethesda Todd Howard confirmed id Software has helped out with the graphics, but they did not help us with the combat. Well, first of all, I say being in the company, knowing the folks at id Software for a long time, I'm a huge Doom fan. They're the absolute best. Doom Eternal is one of my favorite games. So with Fallout 4, they did give us a few tips on how to handle combat in Starfield. We did redo the combat ourselves. Those things feel really feeling great, but it had really helped us more on the graphics side. So they wanted to bring in aspects of the id Tech engine into the creation engine because, you know, the creation engine kind of sucks for people these days, especially after Fallout 76 is killing. So, uh, and Howard then had to explain, uh, so we get into motion blur. It's just how the game feels smooth. Some other things they do in the id Tech that we wanted to bring over into creation engine 2, they helped us do that and it's great. Like I said, it's Todd Howard. Wait and see. We are not in... Todd Howard we trust anymore because in Todd Howard we trust. Meanwhile, even though the game is not even out yet, they already have plant prep Starfield's Shattered Space story expansion, Shattered Space, coming with the digital and constellation edition of Starfield upon release. And they said they plan to release a lot of add-on content to the game. So, part of my concern uh, is that, uh, here's my concern, uh, I get, I'm worried, please know I'm just worried that this is going to be turning into a new Skyrim adventure event again. Heck, I am convinced that when Elder Scrolls 6 comes out, they're going to bundle Skyrim with it and say this is a ground up remake. Not really, but we're gonna lie. But it's gonna be a ground-up remake of Elder Scrolls V joining us, which is one of the ten reasons why why this game was delayed for so long. Because we need to remake Elder Scrolls V for the eighth millionth goddamn time. And we're gonna screw our consumers over big time because Todd Howard confirmed to the world that uh, even though Xbox Series X is supposed to be the most powerful console to date, both in consoles overall and in Xbox franchise, Starville is not going to run at, four, at 4K 60 frames per second, and instead they're gonna run at 30 frames per second and they'll be locked at that. God damn it. So, remember when Redfall got that same thing and look how that worked down the end? 
But, uh, yeah, that happened, and everyone got pissed off, and, oh, my God, what the hell, Todd Hour, why did you just botch your momentum? Can't you just give a clear answer before the game comes out? And so, oh, we, we're not going to do that. I'm like, we could, but, like, and we, like, we did already gave it a year-long delay, and I'm trying to wonder how this even happened. And, we had Fallout 76 to work on. We had to keep killing everyone in the game for that. But Phil Spencer had to remain adamant that the consoles are critical to the future of Xbox. Despite everyone thinking Xbox is more of a brand now than it is a console frat faction of gaming. Heck, they even announced a Xbox Series S expansion where they announced a carbon black console version of the Xbox Series S. That's with the one terabyte. My God. And they still want to maintain the console style play and the creators who are building for that space and that pillar that is for our brand. So, <sighs> fine. I, if you want to keep the console stuff around, good. And even Game Studio Head has said Xbox has turned the corner on first-party releases. I'm mean, like, after Redfall, I'm pretty sure the only way down is up, but let's be real. It's Todd Howard still. We gotta go with that. Meanwhile, uh, a select certain PC games will soon come to... PC Game Pass will soon come to be playable on GeForce Now, a handheld device that is competition with the Steam Deck. My god... So, look forward to that, everybody. Oh, and to... Uh, oh, uh, remember how I mentioned uh, Starfield is set to be restricted, even though it's set to come out on September 6th and whatnot, and they have the 60 frames per second being cut out from the game for a while? Uh, the Digital Premium Edition and the Premium Edition Upgrade and the Constellation Edition... All include up to five days of early access. Though the fine print did mention this actual playtime depends on purchase date and is subject to possible outages and applicable time zone differences. What's the outage part if it's a single player story driven game? Uh, see, see, you, you, you're confusing me now. Like, heck, you're even saying that you, and leaks came out for the Constellation Edition that confirmed that there would be a physical watch in, that features an in-game watch that's brought in real life that could add lore data to it. That was unveiled at the Starfield Direct presentation after Xbox Games Showcase, coming with what is called the Constellation, Constellation Explorer's Watch, just as it appears in-game. It is a functioning smartwatch that can connect with your phone for notifications and comes with a lore-appropriate protective case, inspired by the cases of a carried by an Apollo-era astronauts. God damn it. But, uh... As that continues to irate everybody, and uh, they had showcased the gameplay trailer finally after so long. Yay! So, yeah, that had all happened, and 
Upon Howard decides also reveal that Bethesda will be releasing Fallout 76 heading to New Jersey in their next big update event, The Road to Atlantic City. And um, for those unfamiliar, expeditions in Fallout 76 are said to be, according to Bethesda, randomized and repeatable story-based missions on the scale of most end-of-line quests. The first of these expeditions was The Pit, which took players to post-nuclear Pittsburgh and away from the Appalachian Mountains. <sighs> Damn it. And... Also announced at the showcase was Sinua Saga Hellblade 2 getting a 2024 release window. Yes. After it was first announced in 2019. <gasps> so, yeah. The sequel to Sinua's Sacrifice in Hellblade 1, we called the that was praised for many for its masterclass of atmosphere and storytelling in the marriage of mechanical and conceptual design and very intimate storytelling structure. But, and the fact that it was not a big budgeted game like typical other things. But um, yeah, Ninja Theory is taking Hellblade 2 and will arrive sometime on Xbox and PC. Oh, and uh, let's see, at the extended showcase, because of course there had to be another showcase event along with Ubisoft Forward, Starfield Direct, and Xbox Showcase. Microsoft's Flight Simulator has a Dune expansion that lets players fly around Ar Arrakis. Um, and, and, and Dune expansion vehicles as well. Part of their collaboration with Legendary Pictures and Warner Bros. Pictures to bring Dune to Microsoft Flight Simula Simulator. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, will this be, um, does that mean we get to have all the battles go on? I know they're not probably going to do that, but it would be cool. Meanwhile, so because Mar because comic books need to have so many incorporated themes like Batman Incorporated, uh, uh, Joker Incorporated as a storyline. Uh, let's see, there are two incorporated franchises going on. Yes, 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 yes. Well, Al Ewing and and Leonard Kirk are teaming together with Jen Van Dyne to form. Avengers Incorporated, a stylish new Avengers ongoing series from Al Ewing and Leonard Kirk, which launches in September. So, Kirk recently did the did X Factor and also um, Sabretooth series, but they will introduce readers together to a whole new style of avenging and kicks off with a deadly conspiracy ruining the ghosts of Avengers past that only found Avengers Waspens can solve. But she won't be alone. She finds a new partner in crime. Victor Shea, the former alias of Visions, mysteriously resurfaces, and just as Janet discovers a score of a supervillain murders, will he guide Wasp to the truth, or is his familiar gaze hiding in the very clues Janet needs to crack the case? Her name is Janet Van Dyne. She's a hero, a celebrity, and she's hunting a killer. His name is Victor Shea. He's a villain, an enigma. He got killed. And, and then he got better because this is the comic book universe after all. 
together. They're out to solve every mystery in the Marvel Universe. Oh, so does that mean you're going to reverse one more day? No. Okay, it was nice asking. So, uh, yeah, Parker's still dead to me. So, starting with their own. Are you sure we can't start with Mephisto and the devil? And if anyone remembers Peter Parker's marriage to Mary Jane, and we can get on with our lives from that, and stop being pissed off every time when Marvel tells us to stop caring about that, and treat Parker like a menace to society, and treat him like garbage? Can, can we finally do something about that? So Al Ewing said, and Kirk said uh, in an interview this, uh, Avengers 8 takes the beating, buzzing heart of the original Avengers, teams her up with an undead mystery man uh, with an identity so secret even he doesn't know, and sends them both out to solve the most amazing, fantastic, uncanny who whodunzits in the Marvel Universe has to offer. It's the kind of a classic will-they-won't-they crime-solving partnership, or it would be a will-they in question was save the world from, that be telling, see you in September. I'm unsure what can be said about Avengers Inc. Without spoiling anything for the readers, I can say that this is a fun and intriguing take on some familiar characters that leans more into the detective skills over super strength, rather than eye be rather than eye beams and cunning instead of a small, genetically mutated furry creatures. I'm pretty sure we're going to have something like that. Al is doing a bang-up job with this, and I'm having a lot of fun. I hope the audience does, too. So, <laughs> yeah, it seems they're bringing back more Avengers titles. We had Savage Avengers, Avengers Beyond, with Avengers... And let's see, what other Avengers series was there? Uh, I, I forgot what it was. Uh, I know there was Avengers Beyond, but uh, All Out Avengers, I think, which was Greg Land titled. So um, I was not interested in that because I didn't want to deal with Tracer Extraordinaire. So beyond that, uh, Superman and Lois gets renewed for fourth season. Hooray! Gotham Knights gets canceled. Hoof. Actually, I never saw Gotham Knights, so I didn't care. In fact, I heard from a lot of people that uh, no one really wanted it. Heck, Superman Lois is returning with a shorter 10-episode season, though there's the possibility they're going to scrap that after season 4. So, um... Yeah. It aligns with the CW's plan plan for a programming makeover, including a rollback of a superhero shows that they have apparently, according to them, have, their, have had their time. So... Yeah, and CW and IGN even made the review and said this, A painful reminder that the golden age of DC shows on the CW is well and truly finished. Damn, that's gotta hurt. So, the upcoming Star Wars director, James Mangold, who's also working on Swamp Thing, um... He doesn't want his movie to be weighed down by ever-expanding lore. And you're going to have to go way to the future. Probably. So. 
This is what he said. I want to be part of the saga, but I also don't want to be holding so much lore in the air that you can hardly tell a story. Understandable. What I really wanted to do, what I told Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy said was just, can we just make a kind of a Ten Commandments of the Force, a kind of origin story of how the Force came to be known, understood, wielded, and harnessed? Ejuras, Kathleen Kennedy hates that. She loves the idea, and and about this, she said she liked. He said he she likes it, but like, let's be real. If we wanted to go into the origins of the Force, we would have just used George Lucas's stuff, but for the original sequel trilogy. But you know, fuck him, right? Right, Kathleen Kennedy. Right, Bob Iger, who confessed, yes, you intentionally screwed him over, big time, over that. Jerks. So, um, Superman Legacy. A new update came out for that for that upcoming movie. The start of the new DCU, gearing up for some screen tests in the near future for actors and all that. Alongside expected roles for Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Lex Luthor part of the, as part of the tests. THR knows as a members of a, of a of another group of people, which are to be introduced in the movie, will be cast after that. The Hollywood Reporter noted that it would be members of the group The Authority that would be part that would start to come in for the uh, Superland Legacy film. When I heard this, <sighs> so here's the thing: for those who don't know about The Authority, allow me to um, allow me to explain very clearly. Clearly. In the comics world, the Authority came out to the scene in 1999 and played a big part in changing the history of the industry in Hollywood itself, because the, uh, the Authority was a brutal group of superheroes that valued a successful mission above all else, and that was different than much of what we've seen before then as the norms of was heroes who were paragons of good and didn't like to get their hands dirty to save the day. The Authority also had a great impact on Marvel Comics and what would become the MCU as Mark Millar, the author of the second volume, and the Authority co-creator Brian Hitch would switch from DC to Marvel to create a similar series called The Ultimates. The grounded, gritty version of the Avengers that played a defining tone and feel for the MCU later down the road, even though this was more humorous and better than The Ultimates in every single way possible, though Samuel Jackson was part of the process. Yep. So the Authority showing up in this it made me interested because it's like if they're gonna establish the JSA did exist in this continuity and make them the first group of superheroes, there so the uh, Superman was the thing that kickstarted the new golden age of superheroes. Um, I'm curious to know about the authority in this new universe. If like, are they gonna be like individually grouped up, like? Like, it's the Authority members who are involved in this movie. We don't know who, which members of the Authority will be expected to be part of this movie, but if they show up in here, will we be expecting them to be the Authority in the movie as, like, the, quote, first superhero team after the JSA all those years ago in the, in the, uh, in the DCU's backstory? Or will this be, like like the teasing of them and then they would t full, fully form up in the authority film all i know 
does that this does seem to give my theory that we're probably going to get Justice League versus the Authority that will knock the Authority off their pedestal as the dominant superhero team in the DCU and instead give way for the Justice League of America or the Justice League or the JLA or Justice League just Justice League, <laughs> yeah, they had no so many names, um, to take the place as the top paragons of virtue and hope and everything to get rid of the dark, edgy, evil, oppressive authority group. So if that is the plot they're going for, I'm all for it. But we'll see. Like I said, we'll see when that comes out. We'll see when Justice League's We'll see if that will be the storyline they're going for for Chapter 1 as part of their big overarching story. But I would be all for Justice League versus the Authority. So yeah, and also I think this is also kind of tying into the comics side of things a little bit because, you know, Superman leading the Authority kind of happened in the comics, both in out of continuity and in mainline continuity. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a whole thing. Uh, I... Don't know how to explain it clearly without going into a massive tangent about the War World Saga. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this was, this was, uh, the last bit of news I had to cover for this episode. It was a nice, fun ride. Uh, we're closing in on an hour long for this. Oh, God, I, I am back on the, on track of this, aren't I? But, um, yeah, this was Eric Brown of Neo Reality Collective. Feel free to check out my other content. Go on YouTube, subscribe, follow the only, the Everyday Fan group. They're in the description, too. Uh, be sure to check out for more, and I'll see you all again next time. Stay tuned for this outro, and I'll see you all again soon. Peace, take care, take care of yourselves and each other, and damn, have a good one. It's peace. sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.